We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody welcome to the week 13 edition of the pro football focus fantasy show here on roto grinders uh, i am Britt divine joined by mr ian harditz uh ian this has been a fun nfl season uh, a couple a little too many penalties still uh you know i wish we had the high scoring environment from last year but we've got to play in this new nfl where they call holding again and they call pass interference more than they should uh, actually, I'm, I'm okay with defensive pass interference, but just too many holding penalties. It's killing all the offense, but we, we still got a truck on here in the NFL. Uh, what's going on, dude? I just wish they could fix the defensive pass interferences when, like, it's a terribly underthrown ball where, like, the receiver has mm-hmm. to, like, come back through the corner. Like, those are the plays where it's bad because the guy has good coverage. It's like the quarterback that's the one causing the interference. But, yeah, no, very happy with this year. But we were talking uh, before the show, man, this simulation we're living in, they're starting to reuse the same storylines from last year because Clyde Evers Alaire in week 13 ahead of a Sunday night football matchup against the Broncos is once again missing practice on Friday with a stomach illness. And the only reason I remember that from last year was because he ended up being active but only for emergency purposes only so Britt thank god that we at least don't have to worry about that game on the main slate yeah there's uh and they're flexing games around they're throwing uh, throwing the schedules around late to to see what kind uh see what they can do basically hey Seahawks you stink <laughs> we don't want you on national tv anymore we're gonna put something else on there so it's always fun to see uh all, all these changes in the NFL season um and from you know one year to another uh well let's jump into week 13 uh, we always like to talk about your mismatch manifesto, you know, mismatches. These are some of the best things that can lead to great DFS success or failure for certain players on the field, teams, sports bets, all that type of stuff. 
Um, so we get new people all the time here on Roto Grinders, either on YouTube or podcasts, however they're choosing uh, to subscribe uh, to our content here. Let the people know what we're about to talk about. If you want to get more in depth to listeners, uh, this uh, article is free over on Pro Football Focus. If you want to get a little bit more in depth than we cover on the show, uh, but let's hash this out, Ian. Favorite article I do every week, like four years running. Basically, we always talk about mismatches the same way. Offense ranks X, ranks this and X. Defense ranks this and Y. But it's always that two-way street. So I went ahead and I combined stuff for explosive plays, pressure, pace, yards before contact, EPA, and net yards per drop back, just to try to get an idea of, hey, let's get some one-way metrics that show you when really good offenses are facing really bad defenses or vice versa and whatever. So with that in mind, let's get into these explosive plays some quarterbacks looking really good and hitting some shots down the field this week Kirk Cousins Derek Carr Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts if he's active now with that ankle injury obviously shaping up a little bit more as a game time decision but this is something to keep in mind man because yes the Jets have the worst defense in the league in terms of fantasy points per game allowed the running backs but if Hurts is out of the game I think it would make sense if we have more of a pass first offense could be that way anyway with uh, Scott and Jordan Howard a little banged up as well and then we get Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard going up against a burnable secondary so definitely interested in those guys for tournaments some quarterbacks that probably won't have as much success through the air though um, Taylor Heineke Trevor Lawrence and Andy Dalton so uh, any of those guys you know Heineke we've seen him get by a little bit on his rushing value I still think Terry McLaurin is a good tournament play because he's either a wide receiver one or he's killing your lineup and he's a wide receiver four or five but otherwise yeah I wouldn't be expecting too much from those passing goes yeah the Raiders offense now it's back to being functional because Deshaun Jackson is allowing everyone to to work those underneath routes we don't have Darren Waller anymore we've got Foster Moreau who will be uh the most talked about tight end in the industry this week at least in cash games on DraftKings yeah. um but I do like that Raiders offense I like that game as a little bit of a shootout I think we're going to like quite a few players as we progress through the show here uh let's scroll down on your article and let's talk about pace uh, pace, very important, more pace, more plays, more fantasy points, more scoring. Uh, what are the good and bad games this week? Two fastest ones are the Jaguars and the Rams and also the Buccaneers and the Falcons. So I guess there are bringbacks. You know, obviously we like the Buccaneers and the Rams passing games on Jacksonville. Week two hero, should have been hero, Britt. James O'Shaughnessy is back, back. <laughs> onto the uh, map. He's back, baby. And we can actually pivot off that Foster Moreau chalk to O'Shaughnessy in tournaments. So I kind of like that call uh, with the, our usual Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, whoever stack for the Rams. And then with Atlanta, either go Cordero Patterson or maybe, just maybe, Kyle Pitts puts something together. You also got Russell Gage down there. So definitely focus more on those Tampa and LA offenses. Games that probably won't have the same uh, sort of you know shootout friendly game script going on Colts and the Texans as well as the Vikings and the Lions so hopefully the Vikings Lions game gives us some level of uh you know pass attempt volume because I know Kirk Cousins and company can do a lot against that Lions secondary it's just going to come down to how many times he actually forced to drop back and pass uh do you think the pace in that Indiana uh Indy Houston game or the Minnesota Detroit game, right? We got Jamal Williams. We got Alexander Madison. We got Jonathan Taylor with an over hundred plus yards rushing prop here. Is that going to knock any of these guys, any of these guys down at all? I mean, it's concerning. It's a piece of the puzzle, but at the same time, like when we, if it was like two RB backfields that we were worried about, that'd be one thing, but Madison and Jamal, I mean, even if their offenses are waiting until there's one second on the play clock, every time I still think they're going to be flirting with 20, 
25 combined carries and targets. So enough volume there not to really worry about it. All right, down just a little farther in your article. Let's take a look at pressure rate. This can be good for offenses uh, or defenses, depending on how you want to look at it. Which quarterbacks are going to have the clean pocket? Which ones might be under some pressure this week? Tom Brady looking good from the clean pocket, as always. And what makes him so special with this is, you know, you see Big Ben um, when they're out there usually having a pretty clean pressure rate as well because he gets the ball out so quick. But he's getting the ball out, you know, to Najee in the fly. Like, he's rarely uh, pushing it downfield immediately. Tom Brady still manages to do that. So, like, just his ability to read the field is second to none. I always go back to that play uh, we saw in the mic'd up from a couple weeks ago where his back is turned and he's telling Leonard Fournette cover two, like, as he's faking a handoff to him so that dude just knows what's going on at every single second of the game and also Kyler Murray hopefully he is back we had Rapshi give a report before Thursday night football saying that it sounded like without a setback Kyler and Hopkins will be back in action we did have Cliff Kingsbury say today though that he is more of a game time decision so we will see there guys not set up so well Tua Derek Carr and Mike the Giraffe Glennon under center for the Giants that one in particular man is going to be problematic because Miami most blitz heavy defense in the league they finally got all their cornerbacks healthy if you know we always try to get that cheapest defense possible in cash but man Britt, if i can find enough money to get up in the dolphins uh, dst i would like to this week yeah there's no two DraftKings. uh there's not the two thousand dollar defenses right week. they're like they start at 2300 with the jaguars and you probably don't want to do that so we've been touting and talking about those cheap defenses for it seems like a couple weeks in a row and I'm just, I'm not having it this week. I think the Dolphins, you've got the Cardinals there against Andy Dalton. Washington, uh, think, maybe. That's maybe. the cheapest I think we can get. Yeah, maybe. we'll see where we get on that one. Uh, all right, going down a little farther on your article, uh, let's talk about yards before contact in the running game. There are a lot of running back. We didn't want, I think we said this last week, earlier in the year, we didn't want to play any running backs because they were all in timeshares. They were all priced too high. Now that everybody's hurt, all of their backups are in, and some of them are not priced appropriately. So we have way too many running backs to play with this week. Which ones have the best matchups? Which ones have the worst? It is ridiculous, man, from like that mid 5K to high 5K range and then also above 7K. There's like 10 running backs you can talk yourself into. But the groups that seem to have the best overall matchups, Eagles against the Jets. Hopefully it is the Miles Sanders show again. You know, mm -hmm. we'll we'll see exactly how these things play out. But he was looking banged up to start the week, was able to get enough full Thursday practice, and he's good to go for Sunday. We also have the Lions looking good. Obviously, good news for Jamal Williams. Like the Lions are a bad team. They're 17th, though, in Team PFF run blocking grade. And the Minnesota Vikings, That I put them, them with the Chiefs and the Chargers in terms of three defenses that really just almost allowed teams to get, you know, ahead of steam going in the run game, more so out of scheme. Uh, so that's a great one to target. Also, the Ravens and the Colts obviously looking good. Some more bad uh, offenses in terms of trying to run the ball. The Falcons. Steelers, the 49ers, and the Chargers. Luckily, with all these guys, even Elijah Mitchell at the Niners, uh, the number one RB has a big enough pass game role that I'm not too concerned about the rough matchup on the ground. Yeah, and uh, Jamal Williams, one of those. I do like Miles Sanders if anyone's over on uh, prize picks. Uh, 62 and a half rush yards is one of my, I take the over on that as one of my favorite. Just uh, Boston Scott, still ill. Jordan Howard, not going to play. 
maybe no Jalen Hurts taking some rushing attempts. Maybe it is the Miles Sanders show finally. And he's been good when he gets the ball uh, generally this year, not so much last week, uh, but I do like that as a prop. Yeah, I know you've got a prop you're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, but that is one of my favorites of the week. Uh, all right, let's go down just a little bit farther on your article. Again, it is for free over on Pro Football Focus. If any of you guys want to get more in-depth, let's look at combined EPA per play. This is on the team level. Let's try to figure out some teams that might be a little bit better than the Vegas line is potentially giving them this week. Is, are there any big takeaways for us? The big one is Broncos and the Chiefs. Uh, Denver is actually the only team with the higher relative offensive advantage that is still an underdog, and they are by a whopping nine and a half points. So I, I think it kind of makes sense, Britt. It's scary, you know, betting against the Chiefs in an arrowhead primetime game. I get it, but they did not, like, fix their offense against the Raiders, in my opinion. They got lucky and played one of the few teams in the league in the Raiders that weren't willing to change what they normally do to try to take advantage of what every other defense have been doing against the Chiefs so other than that Raiders game when they put up 41 points you have to go all the way back to week six to find the last time the Chiefs scored more than even 20 points so I think they beat the Broncos but man like how many times do we need to see them play these ugly games that are a lot closer than we expect before we realize like that's kind of what we're getting out of the 2021 Chiefs so unless they are just a brand new team coming out of the bye I think the Broncos can keep that one close enough to cover uh, I didn't make it on my bets here, but I did make a bet uh, at the book I went to earlier in the week. Broncos plus 10 seemed like a pretty good one because the Chiefs, I don't know, like the Chiefs, sure, they're great, but I don't, the Broncos aren't a bad NFL team. They have more than no. enough talent to keep this within a 10-point game against this new Chiefs offense that can struggle, and especially on the defense. It looks like it's going to be the Javante Williams show finally. Um, if Mel I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to play, and he's been undoubtedly one of the best per touch running backs in the league this year. So if he can get going against that Chiefs offense, uh, I think uh, Denver can keep that pretty close. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for the Mismatch Manifesto. Uh, thanks to Ian for putting this out each and every week and uh, keeping it free for everyone if you want a more in-depth look over on Pro Football Focus. Um, before we get to some of our sports bets slash props that we like to talk about, uh, I just want to mention to you guys, uh, if you are watching live on YouTube, we appreciate it. Uh, we air this Friday afternoon. We don't get a huge following live, but if you are watching, uh, please like it. Please subscribe if you want to get notifications to everything here on Roto-Grinders. The majority of you, though, are listening either later on YouTube or on the podcast feed. Um, so please subscribe to those as well. Roto-Grinders fantasy football feed to not just get this show, but all of the content we put out here at Roto-Grinders. It's a constant stream of information every day. If you got a long drive to work, it's great too. If you're at the gym and you're sick of listening to music, I, I don't even listen to music anymore. It's just podcast, 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 podcast over and over again for me. Uh, pop one of those bad boys in and get your fantasy football information. Uh, all right, let's jump into some of our sports specs. Uh, let's see here. Who do I want to, I guess I'm going to start off with what I think is my best one of the week. I bet it at minus two on Monday. It was at minus three and a half today, and I still put more on it. So I, I really like this game. It's the 49ers uh, against the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are completely unraveling, Ian. They've been, a, basically, they've been led by Russell Wilson, the entirety of Pete Carroll's tenure there in Seattle. He has kept Pete Carroll's job. I think Pete Carroll understands that he's probably done after this year because Russell Wilson is going to be gone from Seattle in one way or he's going to force his way out of there. He wants nothing to do with this team here. 
Russell Wilson came back too early, right? He had that mallet finger or whatever they're calling. Uh, we saw Taysom Hill get that last night is what they're describing with that. It's like a four to six week injury. And he came back way too early. And that has prohibited him from really getting healthy. In my opinion, he can't throw the ball. Pete Carroll is so dumb. He still want Alex Collins. He wants to jam Alex Collins uh, 15 times a game. That doesn't work. Now he's got Adrian Peterson, who was absolutely they're, horrific. They're, they're in win-now mode. They're in yeah. win-now mode. They go and get Adrian Peterson because he's tough and gritty, and he's he's just totally done. This Seattle offense is nothing. Pete Carroll's unraveling. And the 49ers, I'm only a little worried because they don't have Devo Samuel, who really looks otherworldly as a talent in the NFL. But the 49ers are just going to be able to run Mitchell over and over again. They still have Kittle. They still have Ayuk, who's now out of the doghouse and is a reasonable DFS play this week. I just think the 49ers are going to absolutely steamroll a beaten down, hurt Russell Wilson-led, bad offense Seattle team, bad coaching. This is just the 49ers by a landslide, in my opinion. So bet it once, bet it twice. I might bet it again, but that, that's my top one of the week right now, Ian. I think that's fair, man. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, I was giving him all sorts of shit after the first six weeks of the year. I felt like he deserved it. I mean, he was dead last in big-time throw rate and turnover-worthy play rate. So he wasn't making elite throws, and he was making way too many mistakes. PFF's highest-graded passer, though, since coming back from their week seven bye, probably deserved a little more slack. Didn't have George Kittle for the big part of that. Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse. Offense is humming, and to your point, Seahawks is the exact opposite of humming. Yeah, so that's my favorite. Why don't you get into a couple of yours, and then I'll, I'll finish this, finish it up later. Yeah, mention. I think Broncos nine and a half does make uh, sense. It's uh, kudos to you for getting it at ten. Uh, but some other spreads I like: Cincy minus three against the Chargers. Right now with this Chargers team, you know, I talked about how the uh, Chiefs kind of had that fraudulent performance against the Raiders. I think the Chargers having that forty-one point total against the Steelers banged up defense that was basically playing backups is another example of a game where okay they put up points but that's not a get right spot that didn't fix their problems i mean last week they would have only scored seven points if it wasn't for that jared cook you know leaping above two guys and that just jump ball in the end zone so they continue to have justin herbert basically functioning as a poor man's like not a poor man's but he's running the same damn offense as like 40 year old drew Brees and jimmy garoppolo he's throwing downfield so 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 um a few times i think it's hurt an overall upside of the offense we see Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler's big numbers, and that's fine. They're getting peppered with underneath targets, but we haven't seen the best version of Herbert, Mike Williams, or this offense for the better part of the last four or six weeks. Meanwhile, we got the Bengals run game coming together against the Chargers team that, as we've seen, really has no interest in defending the run. Obviously, Burrow, Higgins, Chase, and those guys can do their thing. So I just think the Bengals, better offense, better defense, give me them at home at just three points. Also, I like the Ravens Steelers under 44, you know, can't say enough bad things about Big Ben and what he's uh, done this year. And Lamar Jackson's only scored 26 points in his two last starts, really seemingly to be struggling with that blitz. And as we know, in Blitzburg, they will be giving that to you plenty. So under 44 there. And that is uh, Dr. Eric Eager's fit one, one of his favorite bets of the week, um, fellow PFF colleague. And then finally, I got Josh Allen under 265 and a half passing yards against the Patriots looking like wind of 
of up to 20 miles per hour for this Monday night matchup. You know, okay, Josh threw for 320 and four touchdowns against the Patriots. Last time they faced, he was under 220 yards in the previous four matchups. Been such a roller coaster for him all season long. And week one, Josh was 16th in PFF passing grade. Since then, he's either been top 10 or outside the top 24. So truly, like if we get the best version of Josh, you might make this line look silly, but I think the Patriots defense is good enough. We got the weather conditions and we just see enough erraticness from Josh that I'm going to take the under here at 265 and a half. Yeah, I like that one. A couple other uh, bets I made this week I got. So earlier in the week, I got Colts, uh, I think minus nine and it's at minus nine and a half or 10, depending on your book right here. They are going to absolutely steamroll the Texans in absolute fashion, in my opinion, this week. Um, Jonathan Taylor is going to gonna lay the wood to them and the Colts defense, um, they gave up points to the Buccaneers, but they really shut, they shut down Mike Evans. They sort of shut down Chris Godwin. Um, if they, if they can do that and Hey, if Lenny Fournette, if that's, who's going to beat them, that's who they just, they didn't, weren't going to let Tom Brady beat them. They're certainly going to not let the Texans beat them in my opinion. So I absolutely love the Colts. I, I just added this one because the, I like your Steelers under the only thing I'm worried about the Steelers entire defense is basically out of this one, Ian. Yeah. Um, they just announced so many other people, um, in the last 20 to 30 minutes are out on this defensive line in the secondary. So I think the Ravens minus four and a half. I think I got this at three earlier in the week because that didn't really make much sense to me. And still at minus four and a half um, still seems a little light to me. So I like that one. And then these teasers, I have really been on a tear on the, the six point teasers all year. Uh, so my six point teaser of the week is going to be the Vikings at minus seven. You take them to minus one against the lions. Uh, I don't care who's out on their defense. Dalvin cook can be out as long as uh, Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson, Alexander Madison, and a couple people show up to play on defense. That looks like a very easy uh, W for me. And then the Colts, whatever it is, minus nine and a half minus 10, you get it to three and a half or four, or if you're lucky enough to get Colts minus nine, get it down to three, uh, which would be the key number. Um, those two as a six point teaser, usually you get those at about minus 120 odds. Um, that that's one of mine. And I'm, I'm sprinkling in, if you want to get frisky, I don't throw these out too often. Um, but if you want an outright underdog winner this week, uh, how about, how about the jets against the Eagles who look like they're going to be reasonably injured heading into this game. And I, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't put like a full, if you were like playing units or whatever, but if you're just looking for an underdog to win this week, um, that's not like a, a real close uh, underdog or anything like that. I think the Jets uh, deserve a little bit of a sprinkle this weekend. Eagles being favored by more than a touchdown against anyone seems uh, a little bit iffy. And to your point, yeah. Jalen Hurts banged up. I, I, I can yeah. get along with that. You could take the Jets plus seven. I'm okay with that too. But if you want an outright winner, I don't hate the Jets if you're trying to, to do something like that. Uh, all right, let's get to DFS. Um, well, actually, right before we get to DFS, I need to tell you guys about Jock Market. Uh, stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where Daily Fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You can buy and sell shares of players in real time. You can also do it before the game start, which is my favorite way to participate. Um, go check them out. You can download them and get a 100% deposit match up to $50 using promo code GRINDERS. Um, I explain this every week. So you would deposit $50, use promo code GRINDERS, you get $100 total if you are a new player. If you are a new player to Jock Market using promo code GRINDERS, they will cover you 
Uh, they call it their first market guarantee up to $100 in losses. So essentially you get a risk-free shot of trying to win a reasonable amount of money on jock market. If you sign up, go check it out. Take some long shots. Don't take Tom Brady. Don't take Jonathan Taylor. Take some guys a little lower on the totem pole. Hopefully they become one of the top fantasy performers. Run your risk-free money up. That's how I would try to do it. And you can do that on jock market. So make sure to go check them out. Uh, all right, let's talk DFS over on uh, DraftKings for the week. And we have, I guess the lay of the land for me, Ian, is... Let me let me think of how to phrase. There's just there's just so many running back values this week, and we have Foster Moreau at 2700. And the last time he played when Waller was out, he literally played every snap of the game and had himself a nice fantasy game. So it seems reasonably easy to get a good quarterback to get um, maybe one good receiver. The mid tier wide receivers are also pretty good this week. So I'm just finding it's not a great quarterback week, right? Because we've wanted to play Lamar Jackson, but I don't think he deserves to be the highest priced quarterback on DraftKings. Jalen Hurts, he's questionable. Kyler Murray, who really knows what's going on with him? Matt Stafford, he's a little banged up. Um, we might not have Odell, although I do think uh, there was a quote recently that said Odell is reasonably likely to play, but he's still going to be listed questionable. Um, Herbert has these up and down games, right? There's just Russell Wilson isn't Russell Wilson anymore. Joe Burrow, but Joe Mixon gets all the touchdowns, right? There's nobody really good at quarterback except maybe the one guy I left out. Now he's, he sucked in basically every road game this year. So it stinks, but it's the damn Falcons. Tom Brady, 7,200. Uh, he lit him up last time. I think he threw for what? Five passing touchdowns. Um, only threw for 276 yards. Uh, they won 48 to 25. You know, he always like sticking it to the Falcons a little bit here. So if it's not a, a, a Lombardi Lenny or whatever his latest nickname is from Rob Gronkowski, I like Tom Brady to basically do whatever he wants uh, around the end zone. I expect the Bucks to put up plenty of points. I'm hoping those road splits don't show up. Um, but he just looks like the guy to me at 7,200. I usually like the rushing quarterbacks, but there's just not really a lot this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm starting to lean towards Brady as well. I was dabbling a little bit with um, thinking, hey, maybe I could go down to Tua, stack him with Waddle and save some money there. But yeah, particularly now we got Gibson able to lock in there at 5,700 and also hopefully Sony Michelle down there at 43. I think you can afford to pay up to go get Brady. And hey, I mean, as long as Chris Goblin and Mike Evans are as cheap as they are, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I wouldn't even be against Man, if you really want to try to save some money, you know, doing the two tight end thing in cash, get Foster Moreau as the first tight end, then Rob Gronkowski in the flex. Because if you look at what Gronk's been able to do this year, man, tight end two basically only behind Kelsey when he's actually been healthy enough to suit up. Still just priced at 5,300, no AB, so we can get that concentrated target total. I just think that Gronk, man, like he's got more multi touchdown upside than pretty much any other tight end in the league, seems to be humming. And like you look, you watch him on the film, you look at the numbers. I think it says the same thing that he looks more close to back than he has in quite some time yards per route run are back at a 2016 level so i would probably most lean towards stacking brady with at least goblin but if you can get evans or gronk as well i think they're all in play yeah for tournaments what are a couple guys you're looking at uh, maybe maybe two becomes a little bit more in there especially i think they can maybe bring Devonte parker back which would really give him a, a plethora of targets might hurt your water play a little bit so that's something we do have to keep an eye on um, but I, I like Tua maybe in tournaments you've got a couple other guys on your radar as well 
Yeah, just pivoting off of some of the chalkier running backs, expecting Alexander Madison and Sony Michelle if Henderson ends up being ruled out. Let's go get the passing games. I think Stafford, you can also argue that you're getting a leverage off everyone going with Brady because they're only priced apart by $100. So with Stafford, you know, last week he wasn't good, but he still threw for 300 plus and three touchdowns. That's kind of like the Stafford special um, in terms of just, you know, not really having a great game. And then you look at the box score. It's like, okay, what do we have here? Obviously him and Cup always have the potential to break a slate and from there you know obj if he's healthy and if not van jefferson maybe even some tyler higby to complete that stack and again can bring it back with our guy james o'shaughnessy on the other side then also with Kirk cousins i mean they even said earlier this week like this could become just a even more pass first offense now without dalvin cook i get why everyone's on madison but at the same time that Lions secondary is arguably even weaker than their front seven i don't think they have much of a shot in hell of guarding justin jefferson out Adam Thielen for four quarters. How you can even throw in some Tyler Conklin if you're feeling frisky right there. If you want to bring it back with a pass catcher other than Jamal Williams, we got Josh Reynolds chilling at the low price of 3,400. So Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, I think there's a lot of ways to go with those two. Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of recency bias on my tournament quarterback play because this dude was on fire to start the season. And then all of a sudden his running back started scoring all the touchdowns. I am talking about uh, Joe Burrow in this game because it's not, if Mixon isn't going to score every single touchdown, well, guess what? That means Joe Burrow is going to score all the touchdowns in your Cincinnati minus three pick that you had on the bets program here. So I do like Joe Mixon and you're going to, I'm going to talk about Joe Mixon because he's certainly going to go. He's not 5,400 or if we get Sony Michelle, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that one. I, I don't have a clear read on it and the injury situation right now, but if we get that, no one's playing these expensive running backs. Everyone's going to be playing the mid-tier running backs. Um, so I'll talk about Mixon in a second, but if you aren't playing Mixon, and you think that some touchdown regression will come uh, on the passing side of that game, Joe Mixon to Chase to Higgins, these are the plays that could possibly get you a tournament. Because I think I was looking at this maybe like Tuesday and Wednesday, and I thought people were going to be on Mixon. It just hasn't turned out that way. He's priced too high. we got too much value. Um, but I do like taking shots on that Cincinnati offense. Uh, so I like Burrow quite a bit. Um, Absolutely. Let's go to the running back position. And what I've found, I mentioned to this pre-show, I want when these players get these hundred yard rush props in, I think Taylor might be up to over even 110. I haven't checked specifically on it. Like he already put up what 140 and two touchdowns against the Texans earlier in this year. He's on a crazy run. They've given up the Marlon Mack nonsense and they're just letting him do work. Week you can get to him and the blitz has like higher than even normal CMC projection, CMC projections on him this week because he's just he's the dude now and the game script looks extremely favorable for him. Can we get to him in cash, you know, and sacrifice the, the thing is though, what are we sacrificing? If we play him, what are we sacrificing? Because is Cooper Cup really against the Rams who might get out to a hugely now Cooper Cup might get there, but he's sort of fallen off favor from that crazy start he was having in the year. There's no Debo Samuel playing this running back wide receiver mix, getting a million fantasy points every week. And everyone else is just sort of, I guess, sort of priced appropriately at the top end. We're not really sacrificing too much to get him into our lineups. Is there any reason to not pay this price tag this week? I think, think it's worth going up for because the big like i'm seeing it as like you're not going to feel great about your third 
wide receiver if you get up to Taylor versus like going down to a Madison or Fournette there. And I think I'm okay with that, man, because there's really not like these, I think there's Chris Godwin, I think there's Brandon Ayuk, and there's some other guys in the five, six K receiver range that are cash viable, but I don't necessarily see someone that I'm like, man, I need to get up and have that wide receiver in my lineup the same way that we feel with Jonathan Taylor. So I think it's fair to get up to him. And even if we don't end up getting uh, the Sony Michelle 4.3 K salary saver, we already got Antonio Gibson at 5.7 and Jamal Williams at 5.4. So I am seeing myself putting those three in the majority of these lineups. There's nothing wrong with some of the other higher priced options and even the guys also in that 5K range. But to me, just again, that Taylor Gibson Jamal core seems to be the route I'm feeling most comfortable. If let's pretend we get the Sony Michelle news, we would probably use Michelle with Jonathan Taylor and probably one of these other mid-tier running backs. So we've got Gibson, we've got Elijah Mitchell, we've got James Conner, we've got um, Jamal Williams. Who it would be the favorite of all of those four for you? If we get the Sony Michelle at 4,300, I think we're probably going to be playing that guy. I'm leaning Gibson. I just think he has the highest raw um, touch floor of the group. And we got J.D. McKissick out of the picture. So I know Ron Rivera said that Smallwood like will have taken some of the McKissick role, but come on. I think that's just, uh, you know, a little bit more coach speak than anything. We can't be this like ridiculously oblivious to the former collegiate wide receiver that now doesn't have McKissick to worry about. Like this should be Gibson's time to shine. Now, you know, nothing great about the Raiders defense to worry about about and I think when you look at uh, the other guys Mitchell I know I'm not worried about the Seahawks either that's the thing man like we can talk ourselves into some of these other guys but to me Gibson again with no McKissick just has such a higher um just touch floor than anyone else and I think if you look at Gibson like just as a season long like running back prospect you're going to rank him in your top five to eight backs this week and he is just so clearly mispriced I think relative to what we're seeing with the other guys yeah, I think I would probably lean him to if for some reason I needed the extra $300. Jamal Williams seems like a reasonable consolation prize, but do you want the running back on a actually halfway decent football team that has a good quarterback and can move the ball? Or do you want the Lions running back? Maybe I'm going to try to get Gibson over that. I think that's a good little time. And I, I, yeah, not again, if you need to go down, I think Williams is a perfectly fine cash play. He, he's in play there and everything, but we're not positive that he's going to have like the same sort of role and touch total as a uh, Gibson. You know, we could see Jefferson Godwin, some of those other guys they have in Detroit as backups split this situation. I don't think they will. When, when Swift was out there, we saw him really take over as the guy, but that was Swift. This is Jamal. We don't know for sure. Yeah. So for tournaments, a couple of guys, I mentioned, I like Joe Burrow, What I really just like is this Bengals offense. I like your minus three. I didn't get a bet on that. Um, I think that is one of the better ones that I didn't get my hands on. I feel it's like not I too late. Not yeah, too I, feel, late. I gotta drive back out there again. I hate it. Um, <laughs> hopefully, give me like a month. I'll be able to do this on my phone here. Nice. Um, but I, I like Mixon because I'm, I mentioned Burrow. So if you're not playing Burrow in the passing game, try Mixon. Absolutely smash spot. Big rush prop. Um, we know the Chargers will let you run all day against him. They just totally embarrass the Steelers. They're going to be able to embarrass. It looks like whoever they want with this run game right now, because Mixon's playing really well. And at his elevated price tag, he's just going to go overlooked. And that'll give you a little bit of a different lineup than I think a lot of people. Same to be said with Alexander Madison. He put up 30 on the Lions earlier this year. 
why can't he do that again? Right. So there are, there's just so many running backs that can put Mixon could have a monster score. Jonathan Taylor, um, Madison, right. Not to mention Austin Eckler scores six touchdowns every week. It seems like if, if Najee Harris can some like catch six passes from Ben Roethlisberger and he stumbles into the end zone once he'll end up getting there. We have all this value. There's so many running backs. Um, I don't know if I'd take an absolute stand on being extremely overweight on any of them in tournaments or locking one or anything like that, but there's just the mix-ins, the Madison's you have some as well. Um, I think I, I took a little of your thunder with a couple of the guys, but just the, the overlook guys, because we're all going to gravitate to Gibson. And if we get Sony, if Daryl Henderson's out, we're all going to gravitate to Sony Michelle and everyone's going to want to play Jonathan Taylor. Just don't be afraid to mix it up with some of these other elite guys that also get all of the work. Yeah, I was, I was joking around this week on Twitter with that, uh, the, like the high school hype man who was talking about his teammates. And he's like, this guy, dog, this guy, dog. That's how I feel about like every running back at 7K or higher on DraftKings. <laughs> like we can reasonably talk ourselves into these massive games. So yeah, I'm going to wait and see, you know, as, as we talk about every week, the projected ownership gets better and better as we get closer to Sunday. So really just look at the top and the couple guys that you see are kind of falling by the wayside. Uh, I would be prioritizing. It seems like Eckler and Najee might be those guys right now, but again, we'll see how that kind of fine tunes before Sunday. Getting away from that, I do think Saquon Barkley is an interesting play right kind of in the middle of all those 7K guys people want or the high 5K group that we've already talked quite a bit about. Saquon, I know, hasn't exactly, you know, turned into the top five guy that we we're hoping for, but coming back from that injury the past two weeks, his workload is back to normal. 86% snaps last week, had 13 carries and five targets. Like any running back that has a floor of 18 to 20 combined carries and targets should have our attention in fantasy land so i know having glennon under center isn't ideal they're on the road to miami like there are ways this can go wrong i get it but we're still getting those touches and saquon as we know is always just one play away from really paying off his value in a hurry so i like saquon uh, to get a little contrarian miles gaskin at 5.8k he's getting really overlooked by gibson and these other guys you know same game let's just pick the most disgusting game possible and <laughs> find some uh, value from that but with gaskin it's like the same thing and even we need to see uh, what Philip Lindsay is going to be doing because he did carve out a good portion of rush attempts last week. A lot of that was in the second half of a blowout. So I don't think he's too big of a factor either way. But if Lindsay's going to be out, then it truly is Gaskin three down workhorse season. And as we know, he does nothing but ball out in odd numbered weeks. Um, those are my main two guys I like. I like Josh Jacobs a lot more for similar reasons as Gaskin. I just think he's a good pivot from that kind of price range compared to your Connor, your Mitchell, your Gibson. Need to see what that injury was, though, because he did pop up on the injury report on Thursday, I believe, with an ankle. Let's see if he's questionable or not. But we did see Jacob's workload in that Thanksgiving game really take a turn for the positive, and that came hand-in-hand -hand with a pregame report from Jason Locke and Fora that they were looking to get him more involved as a pass catcher and just really as the engine of that offense. So Jacob's, Gaskin, and Barkley, if you're trying to separate yourself from the pack a little bit this week. Yeah, whatever uh, the Saquon Barkley reception prop opens up at, go hit that because Mr. Yeah. Checkdown Mike Glennon will certainly get him the ball more than five times this week, in my opinion. So that seems like easy money. Like that, that opens up at like three and a half or something like that. Uh, all right, right, let's get up, Lindsay. Doubtful. So there we go. Oh, Not, oh, oh. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, oh, yeah. Mock me. Come on. <laughs> you're you're going to see. Miles Gaskin. You're going to see. 
it's when so does he have like i feel like you need you're gonna need big scores of running back there's just so many running backs in great spots can gas can get like 25 I got a stat for you. He sure can. Most weeks as a fantasy football RB1, top 12. Taylor's got 10. Najee's got eight. Eckler's got seven. Mixon's got six. Tied with five. We got guys like Gaskin, Swift, Zeke, Patterson, Alvin Kamara, and James Robinson. Yes, he does have that upside. Let's go. <laughs> Zeke's on that list. I don't believe you. You're one. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some wide receivers for this week. So we talked a little bit about Cooper Cup. I don't know, right? In a game where they should win easily. Now, if you look at some of the games, let's see here. Earlier in the year, they weren't really destroying everybody earlier in the year. He had a couple games where it didn't – I mean, they they beat the Giants 38-11. to 11. He had nine receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns. That'll do. Um, Houston, he still had a good game, and they, they ran them out of the building. But I'm just not finding Cooper Cup to be the priority for me this week. It's Jonathan Taylor's the the guy if I'm spending, I think I want to. Although there are so, so many good running backs, you can make a case to play, go down a tier in order to get a Cooper Cup. Um, But I don't know if that's the way I'm personally going to do it. My list starts in the the spending is probably the Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, right? These guys who are the un... You know, it took Keenan Allen, what, a couple of games to, to outduel uh, Mike Williams to become his old self as the true target hog Stop in that it. offense. Yeah, he, he's 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 getting those receptions every game. So is Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's going to get about 15 four-yard targets from Ben Roethlisberger in this game. And those add up on DraftKings, you know, so I think those are fine. And then, but I think the mid-tier, right, we have the Chris Godwin is 6,600 without – Antonio Brown and his fake vaccination card or, you know, a chef's tournament in because he didn't pay him. AB, you got to know, you got to keep your chef happy so he doesn't turn you in, right? The dude, guy's making your food, not the enemy you want to make, the guy making the food, right? I worked in restaurants for a while growing up. Don't mess with the cook, right? AB, this is going to be a lesson for you. Um, so we got Godwin at 6,600. And then like that five to 6K tier is really loaded. We've got fantasy superstar Hunter Renfro, league winner, ultimate like target hog now in this Raiders offense. He looks pretty good. You've got Ayuk without Debo. You've got a couple other guys in there. You got Mooney now with, with Andy Dalton, which is a plus and without Allen Robinson as a plus at 5,600 with back-to-back monster games in similar situations. So this mid tier, I'm just finding too many good plays Ian, to really spend up on the Cooper cups. I think you're spot on. You named a lot of the guys that I think myself and plenty of others are on this week. Brandon Ayuk, uh, Hunter Renfro, three top 12 finishes in the last four weeks after Henry Ruggs. Who would have thought that, right? Right. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, And then also maybe even Van Jefferson, if OBJ winds up not playing, although Sean McVay said he would be surprised if Beckham is out of there. The only other guy that I really want to talk about is DeAndre Hopkins. And I think this is in cash and tournament games. We had rap sheet come say on Thursday that these guys are expecting to play barring a setback. He's had now a month to get right from this issue, you know, coming off the bye and he practiced in a limited fashion all week, which is kind of rare for Hopkins, even when he is playing out there. So I don't think this is a situation where like, they're going to play these guys unless they're at hundred percent. Like Kingsbury even kind of said that in his press conference, where he said they have been as cautious as they have been because of how good the team's win loss record has been. So with Hopkins at 6,200, man, I understand 
understand that earlier in the year, he wasn't exactly posting his usual top five production, but we're talking about a guy that was priced over 8K to start the year and was still up in the high, you know, 7K range, a good 1500 higher price than what he is right now. So I get it. If it's going to be, you know, if we get a Schefter tweet on like Saturday night saying he really is a game time decision, he's still not at hundred percent. I'll back off with Hawkins, but like, this just feels like a price that we could see start with a seven this time next week. Um, yeah, it's a one o'clock game, thankfully for Arizona. So Ooh, we should, let's go. Okay. <laughs> we, should have, we should have that information, hopefully. And ha- hamstrings are no joke. I, so I did a leg Hamstring. workout. I did a, Oh, ha- yeah, I did a leg workout a couple of days ago and I went to pick something up under the bed uh, and I uh, got cramps in both of my hamstrings rolling around on the floor for like 10 minutes. My wife was laughing at me, calling me like an old man who shouldn't be working out anymore. Um, don't mess with those hamstrings. That was one of the more embarrassing experiences can't believe I shared it, but uh, don't mess with the hamstrings, especially I got a, as an elite NFL player. It's leg day in the hardest resonance. I got some squats to do later, so I'm going to be uh, thriving and paying myself here later today. Oh, my goodness. I never felt as old as I actually <laughs> am in that particular moment in my lifetime. But um, that's, uh, I guess, the lay of the land for cash games. Tournaments, you can definitely mix it up. So I was looking at our ownership, and I don't know if it's been – it's our ownership currently – it was too congregated towards the top. So, and with the Seattle game getting flexed, it sort of, I, I don't know, it did something to it. Um, but there's certainly going to be everyone, just like last week, one of the favorite leverage plays for me is going to be Mike Evans, right? Everyone's going to play Godwin. Just go to Mike Evans at half the ownership. I think he had two touchdowns in this game earlier in the year. Boom, there's a great leverage play. I absolutely love Darnell Mooney. If he doesn't get a lot of steam by the end of the week, I think Mooney might even be cash playable at 5,600. Um, but I think you could certainly use him in a tournament, huge upside against the Cardinals. And then I think you like Kirk. We've liked Kirk Cousins the entire year. And I think we've been generally correct on this. He's been a great overall low owned play to his targets because his targets are always expensive too. But I like Thielen because everyone's just going to go to Jefferson um, because they're basically the same in price this year. So even if Jefferson gets 10 to let's say eight to 10% owned, Thielen's going to be like two to 3% owned. So Adam Thielen, it, most likely to get multiple touchdowns this week. Let's see what Jonathan Taylor, um, Rob Gronkowski, Adam Thielen, right? Yeah. <laughs> like these, these are the guys who are very likely, they just show up with these two touchdown games sometimes. So Adam Thielen is one of my favorite tournament sleepers of the week. 24 touchdowns in his last 26 games. It is absolutely bonkers. I love the Mooney call. Like the way they use him, it's like the way we wish all of our number one receivers will get used. We got Allen Robinson, again, doubtful, not expecting to suit up. But they feed Mooney a bunch of air yards downfield, so you have the potential for this huge boom upside game. But they also give him a bunch of screens to give him a solid floor. Like a couple weeks ago, led the week in unrealized air yards, still had over 100 total yards because he took one of those screens to the house so definitely in on Mooney another guy I like in that price range is Elijah Moore at 5.5k it sounds like Corey Davis seems to be a little more on the doubtful side of questionable they're calling him a game time decision but hey Britt you know you think the Jets can take down the Eagles they would probably need their number one receiver to do a little something in order to pull that one off so I understand that Elijah Moore his nice little streak of uh, wide receiver three finishes came to an end last week, but a lot of t- 
times during that stretch, he was like overcoming being the number three, number four, even sometimes receiver on the Jets in terms of usage. He is back to starting, playing the most snaps, running the most routes, and getting the most targets out of anyone in New York. So, no, Zach Wilson hasn't been very good, but he just needs to enable one guy, and he is an awfully talented rookie in Elijah Moore. Mentioned Hopkins as a viable in cash and GPP. And how about Jamar Chase? We were waiting for the T Higgins breakout that came, but now we got Chase who has had, I believe it's four straight games with under 50 yards. Like that's just not going to keep up. So, you know, we were talking about Mike Williams and the chargers and some things going on there. Like what about Jamar Chase and getting him going again? Because before that stretch, we had seen him go for over 200 yards. He had multiple touchdown games, 159 yards in the tutty against the Packers. Like we know Jamar Chase can do more with 10 targets than just about anybody out there. And he could have that one in a potential shootout between the chargers and the Bengals. So Chase, Elijah Moore, Mooney, Hopkins those are my Mount Rushmore GPP wide receivers of the week all right jumping to tight ends uh it's like if I look if against you and some you know if you're in a head-to-head or you're in a 50-50 and at least on DraftKings FanDuel is a little bit of a different story right um if you don't have Foster Moreau as your cash game tight end I'm you know I'm gonna hunt you down because I feel like he's 2700 literally plays every snap had the same scenario earlier in the season went six for 60 and scored a touchdown right that's probably on the higher end of his expectations but at 2700 when you get these every snap tight ends you sort of just have to play them it's against Washington there's nothing there standing out in the matchup and the Raiders offense is back to being functional with Deshaun Jackson causing defenses to actually have to protect against the deep plays now. So um, Foster Moreau at 2,700 looks good earlier in the week. I was, uh, you know, Cole Clement is what 3,600, but I'm still, I'm going to play like they're, they're basically the same player. So why not take Foster Moreau instead of Cole Clement? maybe Comet. I mean, he had 11 targets last game, so maybe that might get him there. That was against Detroit. This is against Arizona, so a little bit different of a defensive story there. Um, but Foster Moreau is going to be the guy, uh, I think, unquestioned. Um, I, I, you probably feel the same. My thoughts, so when I do all these millionaire maker stuff, um, the, the reviews and really look at it after the season, the one spot you always want to fade the high on player is at tight end. Um, becomes a little bit less of a need when they are priced as low as Foster Moreau, right? So this is a little bit of a one-off. What about in tournaments with him? He has the upside to to get there. We've seen it. He's so cheap. He makes your lineups good. I just think if he are, we had him at like the second highest on tight end. That is, he's going to be the highest on tight end without question for sure. At what point do you want to start getting away from 20%, 25%, 30%? And the Raider stacks, now that car, right? You can play car with Renfro and Moreau. It doesn't even cost a lot. You can run it back with Gibson or McLaurin. Dare I say like Logan Thomas, maybe in in a little bit I will. But like those are so cheap. You get all the studs of that. It's It's a great tournament line. I was talking uh, with Alex Baker from Awesome All, you know, obviously best DFS player in the world uh, today um, on their podcast. Uh, 
great show, great guy and everything. But he brought up a really good point about when we were talking about Sony Michelle and like, when do we, when are we comfortable rostering chalk in a tournament lineup? And Alex's main point was like, if it allows you to then be contrarian with the rest of your lineup because of all the money you're saving, that's fine. We don't need to go in and make sure every single play in the lineup is like this sub 10% own guy. We can have one guy that's chalky, but they need to like open up the rest of it. Cause if we're doing that with like a $9,000 running back, like, okay, we're screwed if that doesn't hit and we're screwed along with everyone else. But when we can open up that much salary saving with the rest of the lineup, I do think it's warranted. So Moreau definitely in cash. And yeah, if you want to get them there in tournaments as well, to try to create some unique lineups, I'm all for that. I do think there are a lot of better options. So if you want to pay up just a little bit there in tournaments, talked about Gronk already, but how about George Kittle, man? Like this could be the guy that really ends up getting featured more than Brandon Ayuk with Debo Samuel out of the picture. Had it done last week against the Vikings, but you go back to last year and like Kittle was the most second most efficient player in the league behind only Devontae Adams on a per route basis. Talking about yards per route run over the past two years, the top five receivers in this metric are Devontae Adams, Debo, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, and George Kittle. So like Kittle, almost the only thing that can stop him is when Kyle Shanahan decides that he's going to use him more as a blocker and as a receiver. It sure seems like this week will be a situation where he needs to be leaned on as more of a receiver which is scary for anyone that has to go try to guard that guy so i really think george kittle i mean we know he's like the best tight end best all around tight end in the league and clearly you know top two or three as a pure receiver to see him under 6k in a smash spot against this seahawks team like good luck covering george kittle jamal adams i don't think they can really match him and i think uh, getting up there will again help differentiate differentiate your lineups in a week where everyone just wants to save as much money as as possible at tight end yeah tournaments my the one guy it's not like a direct pivot so the pivot off of foster moreau is probably probably going to go to like a cole Komet, but that's a reasonable jump in price o'shaughnessy yeah you've got o'shaughnessy brevin jordan down there oh. uh 2500 i think Stop he's the it. absolute dead man james o'shaughnessy yeah sure he's back in play but i'm uh i'm, I'm looking to maybe spend just a little bit more and I'm looking at someone who last year certainly had the upside to win tournaments. And he's back uh, one week removed from playing not every snap, but uh, a good amount of snaps. And that's Logan Thomas for the Redskins uh, or the Washington football team. I mean, sorry about that. Uh, but he, he's looking like he got six targets last week that we know he has the ability to get seven or eight targets in a game have 60 to 100 yards and get an end zone, get, get, get in the box there. So he's 4,000. I expect him to, to see an uptick in snaps and, and move back into as close to every snap role that Washington tight ends seem to play when they're healthy. And at 4,000 uh, at low ownership, he's basically the one guy on my radar. I like your Kittle call, 5,900 for a guy that without Debo, um, Debo's really morphed into a running back over the past couple of weeks, but without him on the field, he does make a lot of sense. I think people will be playing Ayuk a reasonable amount as well. So that gives you some leverage and tournaments on that one. And then Gronkowski, of course, you talked about him at the top, but if he has two touchdowns against the Falcons, wouldn't surprise me at all. Mike Evans has two touchdowns. Well, Chris Godwin has two touchdowns. That might surprise me. That's not really his role. He's the, the chain mover third down guy, but he'll, he can get in the box pretty easily here. Um, but Gronkowski and Logan Thomas, probably my two tournament plays at tight end. Um, you mentioned Kittle. Um, let, let's wrap it up 
with some defenses. So we got what the Dolphins are looking pretty juicy at the top of the show. We mentioned we like the cheap defenses. You had Washington, I think, I don't know, 25. I'm not messing with any of the ultra cheap defenses this week, I guess is what I'm saying. I know. I can't either. I wish we could, but we just can't get behind it. I do think Washington at 2,500 is about as cheap as you can go, but if at all possible, yeah, just get up to Miami at 3,300. They check all the boxes of actually being a demonstrated defense that can wreak some havoc. They're at home and they're facing a bad quarterback in Mike Glennon. So Miami at 3,300 would be the play just to quickly list off some, I think, you know, not super contrarian necessarily, but some uh, warranted, uh, I think, correlated running back defense stacks. Uh, Devontae Freeman and the Ravens going up against Big Ben and the Steelers. James Conner and the Cardinals going up against uh, Andy Dalton and the Bears. Miles Gaskin and the Dolphins going up against the Giants. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders going up against Washington. Make sure that, uh, again, injury he just had in midweek is okay. And also, Saquon and the Giants going up against the Dolphins, as we know, Tua is playing largely good football, but if he, you know, just happens to shit the bed this one week, wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the week 13 edition Uh, note for week 14. I will be back at the house of the mouse uh, down in Florida uh, celebrating my uh, two year wedding anniversary. So I will not be missed Ian. This show overrides vacation time. So I will be down there uh, doing the show uh, live. No substitutions for me for that week. So, um, uh, be ready for that. Uh, be ready to win some money. Hopefully this podcast can help you out show, um, in your lineup building or at the sports book this week. Um, as always, you can read Ian's article. If you missed it earlier in the show, uh, over on pro football focus for free. It is the mismatch manifesto goes through in great t- detail, all of the different mismatches you can come up with, uh, when trying to analyze an NFL football game. Uh, You can find the rest of the stuff over at Pro Football Focus and also find them on the Pro Football Focus uh, Fantasy Football Pod. Uh, Basically, each and every day during the week uh, with Dwayne McFarland, uh, with Andrew Erickson, doing all sorts of stuff. One of the few things I listen to outside of all of the content here on Roto-Grinders each week. Uh, That's going to do it. Uh, Ian, as always, fun doing the show. Thanks to everyone for watching, listening, downloading. However you consume this podcast, we appreciate it here at Roto-Grinders. Uh, I'm Britt, and we out, Jeff.